Hi everyone, I'm Dan Duva, radio play-by-play broadcaster for the Golden Knights. It's a holiday edition of the official Vegas Golden Knights podcast, Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave. It's S-L-G-N-D, presented by the D Hotel in downtown Las Vegas. Well, 15 out of 16 possible points in the last eight games for Vegas, and a classic between the Golden Knights and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Marc-Andre Fleury's win against his old club, we break it all down. Plus, special guest Craig Button, the TSN analyst and scout. He provides expert insight to the Golden Knights and the upcoming World Junior Championships. In Razor Fold, we ask, what about this so-called Vegas flu? And in the quiz, which player's absence would hurt the team the most? Who's grown the most? Plus your questions in the mailbag. It's a holiday edition of hashtag SLGND. Sheriff, Lawless, and some guy named Dave. Presented by the D Hotel. And now, here's Dave. All right, Dan Duva, thanks very much. The holiday edition of the Sheriff, Lawless, and some guy named Dave podcast. Hashtag SLGND. Coming to you from our studios in Vegas. Great to have you with us here. Closing in. On Christmas, Dave Gosher, Shane Knighty, Gary Lawless, Dan Duva, all present and accounted for. Welcome to our podcast here. Uh, Got a busy show for you. A little later on in the show, we're going to be joined by the director of scouting for TSN, Craig Button. We're going to get his thoughts on, uh, from the outside looking in on this Golden Knights team, what he's seen so far, but also the World Junior Hockey Championships are coming up uh, right after Christmas. Actually start on Boxing Day in Buffalo this year, and it's a a huge tournament that... uh, Sure, Craig Button could give us some valuable insights from, but uh, the boys are all here, and uh, welcome, guys. How's first off? Uh, as we tape this, we get a couple of games, three days to go, four days to go before Christmas. Is the shopping done yet, Sheriff, or is it still a work in progress? <laughs> oh, it's not Christmas yet, man. I still got a few, I got some hours, some days left. Uh, yeah, yeah, Christmas it's, it's Eve. Not, nothing out of the norm. It usually drives everyone nuts. That. Uh, I procrastinate a little bit, and but I'll get it done. Always gets done. Yeah, okay. I'm getting all of you guys the same thing I got you last year, same size. A whole, same a whole size. lot of jack squats. That's we go. good to know. Yeah. Go. At least he thought of us. I never even thought of you guys. So <laughs> that's, good. that's good. Dan Duva, you know, you're, you're right on the strip. You must be shopping like a madman. Not even close. Okay, fine. I was you out know, there yesterday. You can do it online, eh? I, like I it know. I did a lot of that last year. shows up wherever you want it to be. I know. That's kind of the way to do it. I So you... Uh, you ever read the book uh, Catcher on the Rye back of in the course. day? Did you ever have to read that Holden book? Holden Caulfield. Holden Caulfield. Yeah. And uh, J.D. Salinger. He said, yeah, the great line, if Christ could see Christmas, he'd puke. <laughs> <laughs> can we just, uh, I think we can put this up on uh, iTunes now. We're done. There you go. We got the line of the week right oh, there. Oh, it's true, though. I mean, it's there's times. I mean, hell couldn't be much worse than them all, like two days before Christmas. Salinger it, was like the first you know? guy that fame really kind of chased out of uh in our in our, in North America and yeah. culture, right? Like he went and moved up into a shack up in upstate New York or Vermont or somewhere like that, and kind of everyone wanted the second book, the second book, and uh, um, it, 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 he wrote something at the very end, or his muse wrote something. It was quite strange, but uh, uh, the catcher in the rye, the the quintessential. Oh. Great American book. novel. Yes, yeah, awesome. absolutely. And he just died in, in the last year or two. Yeah, they had right? a sixty JD minutes Salinger? piece yeah. recently. Yeah, yeah so. Well, Just, anyway, glad to hear the holiday plans going well. So. Apropos of nothing, yeah, uh, this is a tweet I'm just looking at right now, and it mentions, uh, it, I guess uh, Chris Kunitz, uh, he's they're going into Ottawa yeah, for uh, the big goal. Yeah, the first, but it, it says it's the first time he'll be there since he scored his double overtime winner in Game Seven 
of the Eastern Conference Final. Think about that. Like mm. you, we, you never, you, you always forget who the losers are, right? Ottawa was that close to yeah. the Stanley Cup Final, and now how much? Now their owners talking fall. about moving. Well, uh, uh, complete, <laughs> and they're a train wreck. Like yeah. wow, just uh, I don't know. Yeah, they're the in Kyle Turris trade is still. I'm still scratching my head about. Where's that Matt one. Duchesne rather be right now? Colorado or Ottawa? Yeah. You get what, sometimes well, you, you can't always get what you want. You get what you need. Buyer grass isn't always green. Rolling Carpe stones. diem. Rolling or, uh, stones. Rolling not Carpe stones, diem. It's uh, caveat emptor. What does ah, that yes. mean? Buyer that's, beware. That's what that means. Right. Buyer beware. Yeah. There you go. Carpe yeah. diem sees the day. Yes. Yes. Dead yeah. poets society. Off. That was way off. Dead poets society. Look that's at right. us. Wow. No, we are on fire. It's Las Vegas. Literary minds in this group. Holy smokes. Let's talk hockey. On we go. And lots to talk about. Obviously, um, you know, we said after the game, Sheriff, that uh, we've been fortunate enough to, to do this a while and, and cover some some big events and some some, uh, you know, some playoff games. And that game against Pittsburgh the other night was you know, that's that's a playoff game. It's a playoff field. The atmosphere is unbelievable. Um, you know, I said for me, they, they've had some huge wins this year. You think about the You know, they beat Nashville, the win against Pittsburgh recently. They beat St. Louis. They beat Chicago. But to beat Tampa Bay um, the way they did. Was just you know that that building's loud every night. That was a whole nef- a whole different level there a few nights ago. Yeah, uh, people say that, and yeah, it, it is. the The building is nonstop, absolutely electric. It, it is a tremendous atmosphere. It's the best in the NHL right now. People are in teams and players are saying that who come in. Uh, the thing is, you get certain games you earmark or you circle, whatever it is. Pittsburgh, not only because they're back to back Stanley Cup champions, but because of Mark Andre Fleury. And his return against Carolina built that game up. There was so much surrounding it with him being the face of, you know, the Pittsburgh Penguins for so long. First overall pick there. Now here, uh, I don't want to say his demise, but, you know, him stepping back to Matt Murray, who took over. This game had more to him. And whether he'll admit it or not, there was a competitiveness in him to prove to them he's a still a number one goalie. And I'm sure they probably believed it. But you still want to prove it. As, as well as him and Matt Murray got along, he wanted that game and so did the players. And that just set everything up for it to be an explosive game and for guys to be ready to play. Uh, I was, you know, at Ice Love. That game was fast. Uh, just a great game. And the way the Golden Knights came out, not only that, they knew they were facing the number one power play on the road in the Pittsburgh Penguins. Their penalty kill was shaky at that time, and it was phenomenal. They were they were just on in all areas. I saw a Pittsburgh is their goal differential is minus eleven right now. And Matt Murray's been hurt a lot. Yeah, I think Jim Rutherford paid Mark Andre Fleury in some respects the ultimate compliment when he didn't trade him at the deadline because he in the back of his head he thought mm, we can't win the Stanley Cup without this guy. And we, we're here to win the Stanley Cup. The window's open. We have a way better opportunity to win the Stanley Cup if we have this guy. And it turned out to be the ultimate gamble, and it, the, 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 the smart gamble. They you know, they gave Marc-Andre Fleury away in the expansion draft, but they got a Stanley Cup as a result because no Marc-Andre Fleury, no cup. He, he held them in there for mm-hmm. the first two series. So uh, it, it, there's a, a whole bunch of things kind of that play into that soup of of what that moment is, because the other part of it is, if you're Mark Andre Fleury, you're looking at yourself and go, "What more do I got to do?" That you know, and he's not expensive. He's not. Now you can't have two goalies 
at the same amount of money that he makes. Well, he makes 5.75. It's not a, a crazy goalie salary. Carey Price makes way more than that. Uh, Pecorine makes way more than that. And this is a guy who's done it again and again in, in big moments. So, um, you know, I, I think that it was, it's an expansion draft. You got to make tough decisions. And, and that's the one they made in Pittsburgh. What has it meant to Vegas? Well, it's meant the world. And I, it will mean even more going forward. I don't know what Malcolm Subban is going to be. I'm not a goalie coach. But if it turns out that they've found the heir apparent and he gets to spend this year and next year working with Mark Mark Andre Fleury and you know kind of being ushered into that the next stage of his career. Wow, wow, it will have been a, a stroke of genius by George McPhee to go and get Subban. Stroke of genius to have acquired Flurry, and then to let Dave Pryor keep those to got those guys together and develop into what they're going to be down the road. Uh, I just you, teams search for for a long time to find the proper one-two punch and the right mix. You th- and you, if you think about uh, Roberto Luongo and Corey Schneider, it didn't mesh. Right, Schneider was ready to go. Luongo was still in his prime. And then before you knew it, they had nothing in Vancouver. They completely mishandled it. But this looks like a situation that can be managed and can can create a future and a real nice, you know, a bridging of the gap here in Vegas. You have to have two that can play, right? You have to. If you don't have two, you're screwed. You know, I we've seen it. You know, the in in years past, the Rangers have tried to cut back on Henrik Lundqvist and his and his games because the time he got to the playoffs, he was worn out. I, you know, I'll, I'll just use it because I saw it up close in Boston. Tuka Rask, they went three years in a row without a, a, a reliable backup, and it eventually caught up to them down the road. So, if you don't have two guys that can play, the Golden Knights have been lucky this year. They've had four guys that can play. <laughs> they've needed to have four oh, guys boy. that can play. But in the bigger picture, I get what you're saying, Law Man, and. You know, the win over Pittsburgh is, um, you know, from a, you couldn't script that much better in terms of the Fleury-Murray connection. Murray had just, was his first game back. He had been injured. Uh, Fleury obviously had been out long-term and had had one game under his belt, but um, just a phenomenal win against Pittsburgh. And then, you you know, that kind of rolls into the, you know, that Tampa game where it's, you know, the emotion in that game and they, they dig themselves out of a 2 to nothing deficit. Um you know, Tampa Bay's get. We we did a graphic before the game share. You know, they lead the league in everything, right? Goals for, they're second in goals against, most power, everything. And the way that game turned out, and the way it unfolded in the third period, where Hedman scores on a on a shot that kind of went by Miller, and I don't think Flurry ever saw it. A couple of maybe questionable penalties called late, whatever. But here's Jay Theodore with two and a half set, two point three seconds left to win the game. It was it was beyond belief. There's games you always remember throughout a season. For whatever reason, they're gonna stand out. This is gonna be the game. Yeah. At the end of the year and wherever they go, you're gonna think back and remember that Tampa game. And for me, there's there's always I remember back in Boston the one year we beat the Dallas Stars and it was five one and, and Avery and, and Steve Ott were running around and there was fights and everything. And people in Boston always referred to that game that season. Oh, you remember oh remember being at that Dallas game. What a game that was. And Turco and Medano after game saying they were embarrassed by their actions of teammates. And this is what Tampa's this game brought. It, it was yeah. the it was atmosphere was, was it was a playoff. Absolutely. Yeah. John Cooper said it was a playoff. It was it was like you're out there, you know, in April or May playing a hockey game. It, it was fantastic. And 
uh, you know, the Tampa didn't disappoint. We knew their power play. They came into the game scoring 26 games of 32, having a power play goal. Well, now they've scored in 27 of 33, which is just phenomenal. Their 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 ability to move the puck on the power play, and it's probably the best power play I've seen yet. The Golden Knights answer back <laughs> with four of their own. It's it just, uh, you, you know what? To, it, it was, if you're Tampa, you're not a little worried about that heavy reliance on the power play because they dry up in the playoffs. Well, they do. They disappear. I think Tampa's going to be fine. Yeah, you know, they, yeah. yeah. I think Tampa's going to be fine. They missed, you know, missing Tyler Johnson was a pretty big piece uh, out of the lineup for yeah. them. That just uh, it gives them a lot more depth up front. But the way the Golden Knights and their confidence and the belief in that room, Pittsburgh, Tampa. Mention those other wins, but we're, we're talking about mm-hmm. back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. They beat them. Then you have the number one team in the league come in, and you're down two. You fight back. Uh, you're up late. They score a late goal. And then to score with 2.3 seconds left, just it was phenomenal. One of those games you just get caught up with, and, and I know professionalism, would, but you're still a hockey. They're, they're, you're a fan underneath. And regardless of who you're cheering for, that was just a tremendous hockey game. And the Golden Knights, to me, I think this does wonders for them and their ability to believe in one another and what they're capable of as a team. I'll just take a step back and, and look at, as we often do, portions of the season. First quarter, you know, the homestand and everything, the, the surprises. But the second quarter, then you start to circle a few teams. And, and it's no disrespect to some of the other clubs. But to me, there were three. It was Nashville, it was Pittsburgh, and it was Tampa Bay. Given the success of late and, of course, how well Vegas has been playing. Think about it. It's now out of eight games, 16 points. They've got 15 out of 16 points in that span. And when you think about the game, specifically with Tampa Bay, we've had some great finishes that we've watched, right? Great moments, exciting, dramatic. But this was a game. Here we talk about great games. This was not just one with a great finish, though it was a great finish. This was a game from the first puck drop right through the final puck drop with yeah. 2.3 left. That did not disappoint. No. That's that's to me what defines a great game. Great finishes for sure. Exciting third periods, no doubt. This was wire to wire, excellent hockey. I think Gary, we talked about this on the radio broadcast. We're in Las Vegas. To me, it felt like a heavyweight bout. Haymaker after haymaker, back and forth. The speed back and forth. Goals back and forth. Power play chances back and forth. Goaltending back and forth. I talked to a number of people after the game, not necessarily people who cover hockey for a living, just fans who I know, who said it was the best regular season hockey game oh, they've yeah. ever watched. And I can't think of too many that would supersede it. Well, I'll tell you what, like earlier in the night in uh, Nashville, Winnipeg and Nashville had a crazy game that came down uh, you know, to, uh, to a late goal, and it was people were like, wow, game of the night. Well, then this game starts right after, and this one one-ups it, so uh, uh, it was spectacular. You mentioned playoffs. There's a little subplot that uh, kind of may go unnoticed. Thomas Hika was recalled for that game and then immediately sent back. So if you're observing, somebody from Vegas played hurt. Yeah, One of their skill guys was injured, mm. and... They were worried he wasn't going to play, so they bring Heike in. It's a skill guy. That's why they bring Heike instead of, you know, um, Emeto or or Thompson or one of those guys, right? They bring in Kolasar. They bring in Heike because it's a skill guy. So one of their skill guys, and those guys, as you know, Shane, they like to be 100%. They, they don't like to play nicked up. 
one of those guys slapped a, an aspirin on it and said, I'm not missing this game. And he went yeah. and played, and Tom, Thomas Hika goes back to Chicago uh, yesterday. So uh, when we talk, those are the types of things that make a playoff game, and that that's what you had. I'll tell you, from a layman's perspective watching that one, they're down 2 nothing, and you think this is the night that, you know, it's gonna it's gonna unravel. This is Tampa. They're not, you know, the next goal is gonna be Tampa's, and this one's gonna end up four one five one. Well, the second period, yeah. Vegas comes out and they played Tampa's game. You know, we want to skate, let's skate. And they, you want to, you play, you want to score in the power play, let's score in the power play. They get it two two, and then as Shane said, the fluky Hedman goal. That was another opportunity for the bubble to burst, and it doesn't. And it wasn't just that they that that they won. It was that they played with them all night long. And there were some performances. Obviously, Shea Theodore, who we'll get to in a minute, but boy, oh boy, Colin Miller was good mm-hmm. all night long. Marsha Show playing with some fire right now. James Neal, you need him to do. You need you need him to do exactly what he did when the team is down and needs to be picked up with a clutch goal. He's your guy. They just got all those performances from well, how about so the penalty kill late after giving up your confidence on the penalty kill, but to kill one late in the game, right? Just it, and, it had and, everything and that penalty. Well, yeah. <laughs> both you, both those calls, both, both of the both last those calls. Like, right. you know and also, mean? don't forget that Nikita Kucherov had a, a hard slash on the back of Braden McNabb's leg that was not called too. Like there, were, there were a couple that well, were McNabb got a little cross check right. earlier. So yeah, there's, well, you know what? Right. Yeah. McNabb on Nemesnikov for sure after yeah, he scored. Yeah, after like there the were a few that they yeah. let go. David Perron said it to us on the radio after the second. I like that they're letting us play. Well, then in the third, then it became like a couple were too obvious. They had to call. Then there was, as Gary likes to talk about, the marbles back and forth. But only two other teams in the league this year had scored four power play goals in a game. And Vegas's power play had not been exactly lighting it up in the last couple of weeks. So four in one game, that was obviously a, a, a critical element. The other guy I throw in there is David Perron. The pass he made on Marshall. Oh, unbelievable. Oh, my yeah. God. On the power play goal? Yeah. Oh, I, I, watched man. The, I went home and I watched the game afterwards. Yeah. And uh, um, Dave, you're very good at your job. Thank you, Dan. You're very good at your job. I love listening to Shane break down a play because it, it, he knows he's forgotten more about hockey than the rest of us three gentlemen will ever know. Let's be honest; that's what comes with being a player. And to have him break it now. down, it was. It, <laughs> I don't listen. I, <laughs> you know what? It was one of those no, goals where I probably great. didn't give enough respect to the goal score because that pass to be able to read everybody's so aggressive on the penalty kill. And you have to have that ability to... He read the play before the puck got to him. He understood that theme was there. And it was great. We were able to capture and You had all four Tampa guys going to try because it was a bit of a rolling puck. He had his kind of... He was half turned away from it, but he had shoulder check before and knew that seam. And he made that play in that split second. And I hate that pass normally because it can end up going the other way real yeah. fast. Right? The cross-seam pass on the power play, I'm always like... You don't have to force it. Wait, wait. That's there. That's high risk. You can. There'll be another opportunity, and that that's why I, I'm upstairs and David Perron is down on the ice because <laughs> he can convert that, and that is a critical goal in that game. Just to kind of wrap your that's mind. That's the around. only reason Perron's down there and I'm upstairs. Yeah, just, yeah, just, just that. Long, just that. Long, long just that one. Reasons, but that's fine. <laughs> just to wrap your minds around where we're at, and this this likely will change by the time. Uh, this this award-winning podcast actually is. <laughs> <laughs> the Vegas Golden Knights are number two in the NHL 
right now are number two. I mean, they're they're tied points wise, but whatever. They lead the conference. They lead the West, and they're number two in the NHL. That's think about that for a second. They didn't have a team three months ago, yeah. and now they're number two in the NHL. Well, I, it's been unbelievable. I, and I know there's a long way to go, but you got to live in the present. And I had to do a, a TV program yesterday, and I went to speak to George McPhee before I went on it, and I said to him, I said, you know, did you ever imagine this? And he like looked at me like I had rocks in my head. Yeah, into the sauce again, lawman. Oh, well, like, seriously. <laughs> like, I think everybody is ecstatic, but this is, we are now into unexpected territory. Well, and the interesting thing is there's still a caution to it. And there's still some people that don't want to buy in and they're, you know, and that's understandable. But if, you know, if it's the, you know, natural predators, which are right up there or St. Louis or these teams, Los Angeles, even Anaheim, say they were switched with Anaheim right now. People are going to, Oh yeah, they're a great team yet to really kind of confirm that we believe it because we see them. There's still some people out there and there's a lot of caution to people buying in yet completely to the old Knights. Let me just, Let me just add real quick, and maybe you guys saw it from The Athletic and Pierre Lebrun in the story that he has today with uh, George McPhee. And the quote that that he has from George McPhee, the focus has really not been on expectations or not whether we're surprised by any of this stuff. It's what we do have to do to win the next game. And basically he goes on to say that uh, it's – a situation now that everybody's asking not just about, okay, are they going to sell off pieces at the deadline? George has been cautious. We'll get there when we get there. But now the question has turned, and probably the Tampa Bay win is a part of it. Why not buyers at the deadline? Right. And that's that's the question that Pierre Lebrun posed in an interesting story that was published yeah. earlier. The old, yeah, but. Well, yeah, but it's only been 10 games. Yeah, they've only played 20 games. Yeah, yeah. yeah they've only played 30 games. Yeah. Well, at what point? You'd like to think now. If you don't believe now, then you're then you're missing the train. We're going to go and do the quiz, but to that point, if if it does come to the deadline, and you're you know at the top at or near the top of the Pacific, and you decide you want to enhance, well, you got that opportunity. There's cap space, and there's an owner who's not afraid to spend. So okay, you got a cap problem. We'll take it off your hands, and we'll take your second round pick in next year's draft. I think how McPhee. McPhee thinks out of the box at the deadline and structures non-conventional deals will be the story of the deadline. Well, the Golden Knights, uh, just a terrific run here. This homestand heading into Christmas. One more game to go. The Washington Capitals coming to T-Mobile Arena on Saturday. But so far, uh, this really unprecedented unprecedented success for an expansion team continues here in Vegas. The Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, hashtag SLGND, coming to you from our studios in Vegas. Before the quiz, a reminder, Golden Knights fans, don't fight for a parking space. Purchase your parking in advance through the Park Mobile app and score perfect Spots at preferred parking garages of the Vegas Golden Knights. Visit lasvegas.parkmobile.com to reserve your parking today. That's lasvegas.parkmobile.com. All right, Dan Duva, the quiz. The stage is yours. The quiz. And uh, I'll go back to the same Pierre Lebrun story I just referenced with another quote from George McPhee that will lead to our first question. And that quote from George McPhee reads, courtesy of The Athletic, some of these players have really come a long way from the first weeks of the season. They've really developed into effective players. George did not name names, but I will ask you guys to name names. Which Golden Knights player has grown the most since arriving in Vegas? Who has the arse? I believe uh, because of the victory last time out, it's Gary Lawless. Yeah, did I'm, you win last time? I did. It's kind of I blocked out, out, of my, yeah, okay. out of my memory. All right, but, all right fair <laughs> enough. Uh, well, for me, it's, uh, it's Colin Miller. This is a guy that uh, uh, Boston left exposed for... Uh, 
for, for their reasons. They did not use him uh, in the same fashion he's being used here. He's always, you know, he had, in 61 games last year, he had 13 points. Well, in 33 games this year, he already has 19. 5 and 14. He's got a big shot. We know that. We're starting to see him lay off the slap shot and use the wrist shot every once in a while to make sure it gets through. We're starting to see him think the game. He can skate the puck. He That quick retrieval, if the, the, the forecheck, the puck gets dumped in, the other team tries to establish their forecheck, he gets back quicker than anybody else on the Vegas team, grabs that puck, turns it around, and moves it up ice. He eliminates the opposition's forecheck which creates again and again and again possession and zone time in the offensive zone. But for me, the best part about what he's done is he has become engaged. You wondered about his consistency and his ability to lock in on game game in and game out. Gerard Gallant has given him responsibility, and he's taken that upon himself, and he's become engaged all the time. You see him in scrums. You see him slash guys every once in a while. You see, he's not afraid. Uh, I don't, you know, I went back and checked. He fought three or four, five times a year when he was in junior. He fought twice last year. It's not his strength. It's not something that he, you know, forces, but he'll do it. And that allows, that makes him, you know, not a pretender when he sticks his nose into those scrums. And that gets noticed in the National Hockey League. Colin Miller, for me, massive growth. And I wonder how far it can go. Just to add a little bit to that, Gary, just because, you know, I was around him in Boston. Uh, there were a lot of people that thought that he would benefit from a coaching change in Boston when, and you know, when Claude Julian was, was fired last year. Uh, Bruce Cassidy was brought on. He actually played less under Bruce Cassidy than he did <laughs> under Claude Julian. So there was everyone that thought, well, he'll benefit from a fresh set of eyes and a fresh coach. Um, that really wasn't the case. And just, you know, I was talking to him a little bit the other day about that, and he said that the coaching staff here, and he credited Ryan McGill and Ryan Craig for, you know, giving him confidence. If he screws up, he knows he's going to go right back out there on the next shift, which I think mentally for him has made a big difference. To me, um, I look at a guy like Nate Schmidt, who was a healthy scratch 22 times for the Washington Capitals last year, had a hard time getting in their lineup on a regular basis, got in last year because Carl Alsner got hurt. He jumps in on the playoffs, and when Alsner was healthy again, they kept Schmidt in the lineup because they were so pleased with what they saw. So I just think the growth in his game, the first game of the year this year, he played less than any defenseman in that game in Dallas, and he was not happy about it. Since then, and it, it, it hasn't held up the rest of the way because I think there's been nights that other guys have led the team more in ice time, but there was a stretch there. It had to be 15 or 20 games in a row. He led the team among defensemen in ice time. So I just think the growth of his, and he's in, you know, he's in their number one D pair, whether it's been him and Spiza, lately it's been McNabb because Spiza's been out. Um, I look at what Schmidt's done. He's out there in a lot of important situations for that team, logs a ton of minutes, and here's a guy that, you know, you talk, look, everyone's, you know, fresh start for everybody here, obviously with an expansion team. But from where he was and struggling to get in a lineup last year to coming to this team, you know, he goes to arbitration, they settle on a two-year deal. Um, I think just the the ceiling for him, his ability to skate, move the puck, score that huge goal uh, two games ago against Florida. They're down two to nothing. He scores a minute and a half later. He's got two goals this year. It was that one and the tying goal in Arizona, which that's fine, you know. If you're going to score, you know, pick big spots to score. Um, I just, I, I've been impressed the way the league's trending, his ability to skate, move the puck. 
Um, I think he's been fantastic for them. A couple of defensemen so far. Sheriff, what do you think? Well, this is the one question I don't mind going third, fourth, fifth, sixth on because there's so many options mm-hmm. when you look at this team. And, you know, you can mention William Carlson, you know, the season he's had. How about Eric Halla now? 13 goals, 10 of them in the third period. And how many big goals has he had as of late? So, but those guys were already NHL players to me. So when we're talking about growth, uh, I've got to go to Malcolm Subban. Talking about a guy that, when he's picked up off waivers, and yeah. I'll put myself in that category, what? Who? <laughs> this is a guy we thought, you know, sure, he's a you know, first-round pick in Boston, but he had that terrible injury and just never seemed to recover. And, uh, you know, and I'm sure Boston thought it would be no problem to put him on waivers. And, you know, credit George McPhee. I think Dave Pryor is the guy that said, you know, I can work with him. This is a guy that played two NHL games before, hadn't finished each, let three goals in in each game. Had like over five goals against average in both those games. You know, okay in the American Hockey League in Providence, but he comes here and his numbers, not only has he got eight wins, but you, you look at the numbers he's been able to put up, a two, three goals against, a 922 save percentage, uh, and then the adversities he's come over, you know, down early, a couple of weak goals against Carolina, but then settles in. And sure, he didn't see a lot of shots in that third, but that's almost more difficult. So I think... When we're talking about growth of a player, his style, he's adjusted. He stands up a little bit longer. He, he, he's out to challenge. He's, he's in control. He's a very athletic goalie. And I think the challenge with a lot of those guys, and I'm not a goalie expert, but from what I heard about him and asked around was, you know, tend to overpush, get out of position. He seems compact. He's in there. So he's made the adjustments. And he's grown as a goaltender. I think Dave Pryor's had a big part of that. I think confidence, obviously. But he has come in and shown that he's an NHL goaltender. And he's done this after just two previous appearances, in which were horrible. And he's come in and just been absolutely fantastic. He's And it's a small sample size, much like the rest of the team. But uh, just the growth he's had as a goaltender, as an NHL player for the first time. And he's continued Continued to grow wrong on a on an upward curve, which is what you want from a young guy. Don't forget uh, nine for nine in the yes, shootout. Yes, absolutely, the way. Uh, great which shot. nobody else has come remotely close to in terms of a handful of goalies who have been perfect. You're talking three for three, five for five, but nobody's close to nine for nine. Well, the knock on him in Boston, Sheriff, as you know, was he, because he's so athletic, he would make saves. You're like, holy smokes, yeah. how did he make that save? And then there were there were others that went through him where you're like, how did yeah. that go in? So he's. That's why that Carolina game, those first two goals he let in, and maybe the first one, you know, one time a bit of a knuckle, but that, you know, the Matheson one short side, and I had perfect angle being at ice level from where it went. It just wasn't in position, but he adjusted from there and was on afterwards. Yeah, I I have to tell you. Florida, sorry, yeah, Yeah, take points away. Dan, get that? Uh, 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 Red pen. Literally has a red pen. (laughs) Is that a red pen? It's actually just a red cap. Normally I go with a red pen. Dave Dave passed his flu on. Yeah, you get SARS. I pass it along to my partner. Why not? uh, Sheriff, you win that one because, you know, I had not even considered the goalies. I was thinking skaters. You guys had gone with defensemen. I thought you'd go with It was a question that you could answer and get right on about, well, what was the stat? 12 of 18 guys are on pace for career, career years. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It, I agreed. But but when you talk about strictly growth, and, and you might say that Schmidt and Miller at this point are more reliable NHL players, but from where Subban was, and I had seen the last game he played, which was with Providence in the last game that they lost. Uh, Dave Pryor was at that game, by the way. Yeah. I talked to Dave about it recently. But for me, having seen him in the minor leagues just last year, yeah. to where he is now is 
baffles my mind. So he he wins that one. Good job, Sheriff. All right, so you get to the honors for question number two. Oh, boy. And and this is, you know, we, we talk about the best player in the Golden Knights. Who's the most valuable? But here's a different way of phrasing it, and I like this phrasing a lot, Gary. Nicely done. Way to go, Lomit. Take one player out of the Golden Knights lineup. Whose absence hurts the team the most? And Sheriff, you go first. No, no, you got to credit. This is a this is a really good question because does does anybody really? Because we've seen. We, I would have honestly, if it started the year, we would have said Mark Andre right. Fleury would exactly have been unanimous right. through all of us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Obviously, right. that seems uh, to be we, were, we all would have been wrong. But now at this point, and th- there's a lot of key guys. Boy. For me right now, yeah, I'm trying to think. You know, it's like a good defensively, question. It's a really good question. I think defensively they got enough He's depth there. He's running out of time, man. So yeah, that's right. Kicked up. I'm going to go. Or, you know what? I'm between Marcia So and Riley Smith, but I'm going to go with Riley Smith just because of the penalty kill power play he plays in all areas. He gets over Marcia So because he Marcia doesn't kill penalties. I think Riley Smith is so important to this team. His ability. Even though he's not a centerman, normally I'd go there. Uh, he just does it all ends. He, he's the complete player. I think he brings a lot. I think he's a leader. He's not a vocal guy, but I think he leads very well on the ice in his actions. His details to the game are impeccable. Um, his speed, he's the first guy he, he uses in a lot of those situations. Uh, if, it's, if they're defending a lead, he's on the ice. Uh, so I'm going to go with uh, Riley Smith. I think uh, him out of the line, it would throw that line off a little bit, even though you know Marshall's been putting up the points. Carlson, those two have been leading the way offensively. I think Riley Smith has a big part in that, even though it might be a little bit smaller. Well, I'd go with him too, Sheriff, and just, you know, that's the direction I was going to go with anyways. Just his ability to, um, there's a lot of subtleties to his game. You know, there's, yeah. not, there's not a lot of flash to it. You think about it, but he's he seems to always be in the right spot. Great stick, great at keeping plays alive. Great at stripping pucks, poke checks, subtle plays that, you know, there's a puck 10 feet inside the offensive blue line, and it looks like it's getting out, and he, he'll he strip a guy and keep the puck in and keep the play alive and create another cycle. Or the other way around, if that puck, you know, coaches talk all the time about the blue lines, right? 10 feet in to, you know, get it out, get it in. That puck comes up the wall. Most times it's out. Even with that defenseman, you know, the deep pinch more than ever now, bearing down on him. So, yeah, I mean, he's not, again, he's not the top goal scorer on the team. He's not the top point getter on the team, but he's one of those glue guys that yeah. if you pulled him out of it, the sheriff's point, I, you know, that line I think would look dramatically different. Yeah, glue's a good word. I yeah. used to use uh, that word to describe Andre Palat with Tampa Bay, and, and yeah. glue's a terrific word. Gary? Yeah, I don't disagree with what the fellas have said. However, in the NHL, the top six forwards in every for every team – they kind of cancel one another out, you know? And when you get to the bottom of the roster, which is harder to construct because of salary cap issues, et cetera, if your third and fourth line are better than the oppositions and can play more, you have an opportunity to beat them. And the thing about this Vegas Golden Knights team is they're balanced and they're deep, but their fourth line is clearly the engine is Pierre-Edouard Belmar. He's also one of their best penalty killers. If you pull him out, you have to go to the American League to replace him. If you pull Smith out, you can move one of the guys with the Golden Knights up to fill that spot. And I think Marsha Show and... Or you could move Oscar Lindbergh, who's a natural centerman there. There, there are options to do that. Belmar is, oh, a, is an elite penalty, penalty killer. He has taught 
whoever's been on that line with him this year, mostly Noshik and Carrier, how to play, how to take the right angles all the time. That line plays more than 11 minutes a night, and that is because of what Belmar has done. I think if you take him out, the Golden Knights really miss him. I think you're you're right, Gary. I think that when you look up and down the lineup, we could probably list some other guys too. Um, I mean, it's, you can't have this conversation without at least mentioning Eric Howla, uh, especially given what he's done late, that he is the top line center. And when he was uh, moved on to that line with Perron and Neal earlier this year, what that has become uh, prior to that, it was Cody Eakin. It, it just has been different with Howla there. Just as a, as a quick aside, Dan, you know, something that um, Gerard Gallant told us recently and you know we we know he likes to roll four lines. Fair enough, but he basically said to us he doesn't really worry about matchups up yep. front. Play the Belmar line against the Stamkos line, no problem. Play them against Crosby's line, fine. Like there's coaches that hard hard oh, yeah. match. Oh yeah. Oh my god. It's, and it gets to the point. It's ridiculous. You know, it's on the jump on jump off. You know, he worries more about the the deep pair matchup. But you know, to basically. Come on, and say, look, I, I that's another conversation. Trust all these guys too. Complete, that could be yeah. absolutely a point about their ability to roll and not worry about matchups, to to stay fresh, to play a high pace game, all those things. Uh, that that is a huge, huge tool he has uh, behind the bench, more than most teams have. Anyhow, after uh, I think you, you could really go in a lot of places with the answer to this question, but uh, Sheriff, you, you you laid out the best case there for Riley Smith. I think that he would be the hardest player to replace in terms of whose absence hurts the team the most. So, uh, Sheriff, you've uh, now won two in a row, <laughs> so you get the the roll of stamps. Must have done a lot of homework last night. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can see it all. And, uh, <laughs> Blight piece of paper. And so, uh, appropriate that you would have the honors for this, this last question. For the record. Oh, yeah. there we go. The first answer he gave, the only reason he won is because it's you thought the same thing, which is you need to be a little more objective. As that's not true. You I need to sit up on your pedestal and survey you the said arguments. They have to go, I, the you said they Belmar went out, they had to go to the minors. And they not don't. Just, They've got a ton of nah, center. I explicitly not, not like said I had not even thought of Malcolm Subban. I was thinking of a skater. So that is incorrect, Gary. No, and it's no. an attempt to... To, to you get you went away you went to your own experiences in the American League. You know what, Gary? Why don't you oh, go I first agree. on this one, Dan? Don't <laughs> let him get to you. You just make your own oh, judgments. Boy. Anyhow, yes, the show Dan. continues. And you were late. <laughs> <laughs> Why should hockey fans oh, watch the World Juniors before I, we get to more of uh, Dave Gosher's musical serenading? Done? Oh, I think it's just a phenomenal. Tournament. And we should point out that you have. You yes, know, I've covered, covered this. It. It, it's a, it's an incredible tournament. Um, you know, it usually comes down to USA and Canada, right? So it sets up for a great match. You're doing the big outdoor game this year. Uh, I think you get to see the budding stars really come up. And, uh, you know, it, it's in Buffalo this year. USA, they're going to try and defend, go back to back. Canada is going to be the favorite coming in. Um, but to see the stars, and of course, you know, we're going to see your Golden Knights fan. You know, there's Eric Branstrom. You're going to see him. It's unfortunate some others aren't there. But that's the way it is. It is It is the youth, the speed, the skill. Uh, it's a passionate tournament where fans turn out. You know, Russia's going to be there. They're going to, uh, you know, Russia, Sweden, Finland, Canada, U.S. There, there's, there's the teams you're going to watch. It is young stars that are put in big-time situations. I think it's a great learning experience for them to handle that high-pressure elements 
that surround the game of hockey. And uh, it, it sets up, you know, we're not going to see NHLers at the Olympics, which makes me disappointed. Uh, seeing the best junior players in the world in the same type of atmosphere is, is to me, a great thing to watch. And it's around the holidays. It's, it, it's a more of a tradition where I come from in Canada. And an example, my brother lives up northern Manitoba, and they have ice shacks there, and <laughs> they get fancy out there. They go fishing, you know, whether it's Bach, 26th, 7th. They have generators that, you know, allow them to set up the, the satellite TVs, and they watch World Junior this tournament while they're out there ice fishing. So for me, it carries a little more weight. They're uh, in yeah. their long underwear. Yeah. Go well, out there, catch some dinner. Catch some dinner. A little, mm-hmm. you know, what try do they to- consume out there? Well, probably what I did last night for my throat, a little bit of, you know, scotch or bourbon. Just, <laughs> just, just, just great, great, great no, that's just an effort to stay warm. It just it made a terrific argument. There. That's a, <laughs> great, great for a sore throat. Well, yeah, the, On the uh, T. Dave Gosher. Well, I just, you know, it's amazing to me that, uh, well, first off, so NHL Network, I think, right, is going to be carrying Oh, they're all games, over right? it. They're all over it, yeah, and, which and is great. TSN, where Shannon and TSN used to up, in, uh, up in the northern, north of the border, um, which I think is great because... I will say it's always kind of disappointed me to a large extent that the World Junior Tournament in the United States yeah. doesn't get nearly the coverage and nearly the juice that it does in Canada and a lot of, I mean, quite obviously. Um, it's in Buffalo this year, and it was it's funny, about six, seven years ago it was in Buffalo, and in my old job, the Bruins had a game against the Buffalo Sabres New Year's Day at 2 o'clock. They wedged in one Sabres game in the middle of the World Junior Tournament. <laughs> so because... All the, the World Junior teams were staying at all the hotels in downtown Buffalo. Your Bruins stayed in Amherst, New York, at a Marriott in Amherst, New York, New Year's Ooh. Eve. Nothing says Happy New Year like Jack's Bar in Amherst, New York. So we, Great spot right here. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Like, what the, what's going on oh, here? Oh, no. So anyway. How much snow was there? Yeah, I know. I digress. But, no, I just think the ability to see um, – you know, some of the best young players in the world all in one tournament. Um, and I'm, I, to me, that's, you know, I wish guys like Suzuki and Glass maybe got a crack at this, but, you know, be that as it may. Um, they got next year still. They got next year. And, um, you know, all the best young players in the NHL right now, by and large, have all played in that tournament. Even the, some of the best older players in the, have all played in that tournament. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you, if you get a chance to tune in, starts on Boxing Day, runs into the new year, um, you're gonna, you know, you'll see guys in that tournament that are gonna be stars in the NHL down the road. Gary, why should fans watch the World Juniors? It's the same as the as March Madness. You you, you can watch the NBA for the perfect game. The NHL is the perfect game. The World Juniors, there are mistakes. They're younger players, so uh, hockey is the greatest unscripted game. That you have plans, but the way the puck goes and and the mistakes and the hopping over a stick, all of that, that creates the great drama that makes hockey so fun to watch. In and out, quickly trans transitions. It's it's just different than in football. You hold possession of the football, and if you make a bad play and drop a pass, you still get the ball back. In hockey, you make a bad pass, it might end up in the back of your net. And there are more mistakes at this level. It's still really fast and still really high skilled, but it's not as precise. It's not as 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 routine as the elite game. So those extra mistakes to me make it it adds to the drama and it makes it even more watchable. I will tell you a quick story, my favorite World Junior story. I was covering the World Juniors in two thousand and five in Grand Forks, North Dakota. It's 
Team Canada. Not a bad team. Had the, the greatest team ever assembled at <laughs> that level. Sidney Crosby, Patrice Bergeron, Ryan Getzlaff, Corey Perry, Shea Weber, uh, Shea Weber, like you know, on and on and on. The only guys that, that aren't didn't become NHL stars, the goalies, and they didn't even need them. They could have they could have left the net empty, and they still <laughs> would have won that tournament. And they were good players. They beat Russia and Alex Ovechkin in the, in the last game. On the twenty sixth, we got there. We covered a few. Uh, Preliminary games on the 26th. I had to jump a plane to Cleveland, Ohio, to cover a Manitoba Moose game. They played Boxing Day. That's December 26th in Canada at Cleveland. I had pneumonia. At the end of the night, I'm going to the hotel with the Sheridan in downtown Cleveland. I'm going to the elevator to go up to my room to try and sleep this this illness off. The team doctors have given me a Z pack. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to make it. Just as I get to the elevator, Egger. I look over, it is John Ferguson Sr., the great John Bowie Ferguson, is sitting at the at the lobby bar with Shane's fa- favorite friend, Randy Carlisle, and Ferguson takes those big mitts and waves at me. So much for slipping it off. You don't say no to John Ferguson. <laughs> I just told you the best cure. <laughs> that was the cure. So I sat down there, and at around 2 in the morning, the bartender said, that's enough, guys, got to cut you off. Ferguson, who played in Cleveland for the Barons, leans over at the bartender and says, Call the tell tell call the chief of police. Tell him Fergie wants another drink. Put the bottle on the bar and beat it, and then throws a couple hundred bucks <laughs> up on, up on the bar. The guy just looked at him. All right, and he left. <laughs> See you later. And uh, so I got on the plane the next morning to fly back to Grand Forks. Feeling great. No, uh, no, nah, nah, still was, the flu nah, and hung nah, over nah, like nah, a bastard. I had pneumonia <laughs> and I was hung over. It was the last time I ever saw John Ferguson alive, mm. and he told me it in the course of that night. Randy Carlisle and I got a huge argument about fighting and and about having a, a designated tough guy on your team. And Ferguson was. Elbowing me underneath the table, like, keep going, keep going. You got him on the ropes. And then finally I turned to Mr. Ferguson and, and I said, uh, I said, John, who had your number? No one had my number. <laughs> what are you talking about? I said, oh, okay, okay. About a half an hour later, he looks at me right in the middle of nothing and goes, all right. After a while, I stopped asking Gordy. That was his <laughs> yeah. answer as to who had his number. Gordy Howe. So that was my little story about uh, the World Juniors. Hey, Gary wants points for that, yeah. but uh, oh, but yeah. uh, but Sheriff still wins because it's better than that the, was the argument. Uh, it's a great story. I appreciate the story. That was a great it's better story. Than the story uh, about the I, 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 I Amherst, New York. And that was also okay. a good story. Okay. But okay. but in terms of answering the question, uh, you know, Shane Knight is the expert. So uh, yes, I'll throw in one more thing. The reason why to watch this, professional players watch this. Yes. Like guys. Who many of whom played in it, but not all of them played in it. Uh, they watch this. I mean, it's they're watching those games up against other NHL games uh, when when the opportunity. It's competitive there. too between the players, obviously being from different countries. Yeah, yeah. there you go. So that's uh, that's a wrap there on on the quiz. Sheriff gets the hat trick. Congratulations. First time. <laughs> First I'm leaving now, eh? Like, you guys can finish the show without yeah. me. Oh, yeah, wouldn't that wouldn't be that hard. This is an outrage. I complimented your questions. Yeah. I complimented your story. And Gary is still feeling neglected. Wow. Questionable That's behavior, our new segment. Questionable behavior. So... Gary Lawless thought of this. Do you want to go first, or do you want... Uh, sure. Your idea. Oh, I won. All right. Well, well, yeah, so Shane won the last ahead. segment. No, go ahead. You go ahead. This is your segment. This is your idea. Yeah, you you guys, they're all my segments, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Let's be clear about that. I came up with one question. <laughs> yeah, let us know what you're <laughs> thinking. The quiz is, and I stole it from Steve Dryden and TSI. There you anyways. go. Uh, borrowed, borrowed. And I think I got questionable behavior from somewhere else as well. Uh, uh, 
who invented eggnog light? That is questionable behavior. Agree. It is Christmas. That's a good one. It is Christmas. The only time of the year you're going to do it. You're going to put your bourbon in it, and I've 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 moved beyond rum and eggnog. I go with bourbon and eggnog, Mm. and uh, you don't want to have. It's like. It's like having drinking your whiskey with uh, Diet Coke. You don't you don't want that aspartame taste. You want you want a Diet Coke. The real thing. That's what gets you. The genuine right? article. You know what I mean? So uh, the, whoever invented eggnog light, that person, that was questionable behavior. <laughs> okay. Go ahead, Dave. All right, so I got one for you, and I had this last week, and we kind of got sidetracked, which is fair enough. This is questionable behavior. Our traveling crew with AT&T Sportsnet, who shall remain nameless, Uh Allie, uh, Tavis, Frank, and Sam, (laughs) go to Nashville, Tennessee, and they're there for two nights, and they do not see any live music. Oh, oh, that is extremely questionable What you could possibly be thinking about is beyond my ability to comprehend it. Now, side story to that. They they had the they had the schluff they had the fly commercial they weren't on the team oh. plane right so that's why I heard some of that it was a dad strip right yeah. yeah Dallas Nashville Nashville Dallas is the order but so I heard well we got in late I don't care what time you get in <laughs> you're gonna walk a block and go to Tootsie's or Legends or the stage or at pick a place we got in early what did we do we gave our bags to the concierge we didn't even go to our rooms we were in a bar. It's like minutes. cartoon, just a trail sheriff, of dust sheriff out the door. the guy on the, on the guitar. It was yep. fantastic. Yeah, no, Going to Nashville, Tennessee place. for two nights and not seeing Gotta one see live Questionable behavior. Beyond questionable question. behavior. It's, it's abhorrent behavior. It's beyond belief behavior. <laughs> you know what? They're on the naughty list. They yeah. are on the naughty yeah, list. Yeah, and they they no were they were chastised uh, uh, accordingly oh, yeah. for, oh, for oh, this. Don't worry. Just, well, now we've shared it with the world, which is even better. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. So... Remind me never yeah. to get on Gosher's bad side. Yeah. <laughs> he not only does he not only did whisper to everyone on the plane, yeah. he also tells the world. Oh yeah. Yep, that's fine. There yep. you go. So I've, got, the, I've got so many I don't even know where to go. <laughs> <laughs> Quick one, but it's too long ago. Gary left half a beer when we were in Minnesota. That drove me nuts. That's questionable behavior. Who leaves uh, maybe even a quarter of a beer. Drink your full beer. Wasn't uh, that, a very good beer. No, that, mm. I don't care. It, it's, it's there. You paid well, for it. It would have been beer. better if you went over it's and finished beer. it off. Anyways, yeah, my questionable behavior goes, uh, and uh, I got to tell, is, is it proper to laugh at someone who has an injury, falls down off a chair, <laughs> and blows their suit pants out? Do we have a picture? Can we? Oh, so here's the story. So uh, <laughs> what game was that? I don't remember. Oh, uh, in between missions, I went on a chair, and I kind of fell. Carolina? I bruised my back, yeah, but I, I ripped my whole... Suit pant. And, and I brand new have, costume, too, right? Oh, and you don't have a brand new costume. costume. So I ripped it from the back of my left leg right up the rear. <laughs> there was glute, folks. And so, there yeah, was exposed glute. Hey, I owned it. I had no problem. But Alyssa uh, Girardi does a lot for us. But uh, the way she laughed at that, I think it might have been questionable behavior how much she laughed at it. AG. She AG, was over she laughing almost, so <laughs> she was almost going to throw up how hard she was wow. laughing. And then, so that was questionable behavior, and I didn't get a lot of support. Maybe I didn't deserve it, but she might have went a little too far with the wow. laughing. The questionable behavior, how about when I walked out in track pants with this suit and nobody noticed? <laughs> I said to Shane, Well, I there's said, a lot of style in our, I said, in it's our the press corps here, you know, here in Vegas. It's the old Andy Dufresne, Shawshank Redemption. Nobody looks at your shoes. That's right. He walked right out of, he walked right out of the prison one. He didn't walk out of prison. He, he threw, crawled through 500 yards of crap. Mm. But he stole the warden's shoes. Nobody looks Good at your stuff. pants. Your sh- so he had the top half of the costume, right? Yeah. Shirt, tie, jacket, 
Sharp as always, and mm. Vegas Golden Knights sweatpants and dress shoes. <laughs> and walked out of the I building. I had to show people. I'm like, don't nobody you, looked at him Did you twice. go for a beer? Did you go to beer house? No, no. no I, did, I was, did, I was straight home. He retired straight to the 98, 90 mansion. But So it's between periods, obviously. And I... But I pose for pictures. I own oh, it. Oh, there's pictures. There's pictures of it. Oh, and uh, I was... There's this... So just to kind of add to Sheriff's story, there's this little room be, behind our booth where they run off all the coffees between periods and... So we usually go in there and just hang out and kill time and watch uh, Lawless and Order in the second intermission. So with the sound down. So uh, <laughs> no, I'm, just I'm just kidding. So anyway, I'm in the men's room. I come out and one of the uh, interns says, "You have to go see Shane." I said, "I was just with him 30 <laughs> seconds ago." Why do I? And I walk in there, and he's got the the whole the whole was it left side chair? Left the, side. The whole yeah, thing's left blown side. out. You can see the. He's, yeah, you can see the body. I'm like, what What the hell happened to you? I was just with you. And that's what happened. Decided to go for a run oh, between it periods. Awful. It was one of the funniest damn things I've oh. ever seen. It well, was unbelievable. So we have a our communication department with the Golden Knights. We have a text chain. So I'm sitting there trying to do lawless in order. I'm all buttoned up. I'm about to be, you know, go into my, my two minutes every, every night. I'm worked up for it. Look at my phone and there's... Sheriff's ass hanging out. Well, thank, oh, just be boy. thankful I wore underwear that night. <laughs> yeah, it's about time. <laughs> there you go. Well, my questionable that's behavior the, was the, nowhere the whole, near as funny as these. That's <laughs> the second time this year, folks in in Golden Knights land have had the opportunity to see you in your gitch. Well, you see oh, it before right. every that's game. Right. Yes. Every game, thanks yeah, to I mean, you know, who, ha- who hasn't seen the sheriff yeah, in his underwear at this point? Wow. No, I I've got something that's uh, in the sports world questionable behavior because I th- we've talked so much about building the Golden Knights franchise. How about what Derek Jeter and the M- Florida Marlins are doing, the Miami Marlins, in dismantling the franchise? And and Rob Manfred was on the radio yesterday trying to defend why he allowed this group to to buy the Marlins, knowing that uh, this was going to happen. They were going to totally dismantle everything. Uh, so it's it's a sad state of affairs when uh, a franchise that has won a couple championships, broken down both of them afterwards, and now here it's happening again with Derek Jeter at the center of this. You know, talk about from beloved, you know, one of the generational players to now is maligned in South Florida uh, after investing in this team. So just in terms of I couldn't help but think about building franchises, what they're trying to do with Florida. Clearly not the tack to take because what few Marlins fans there are are in an uproar about what's happening with the Marlins. Very questionable behavior. Did did you see the, uh, just a real quick, they had a little season ticket holder meeting with Jeter? Didn't yeah, go very well. No, Can't no, imagine no. that. But anyway, so um, the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, hashtag SLGND, and it's coming to you from our studios here in Vegas. And time now for our guest of the day, and it's brought to you by Rock Creek Cattle Company. It's a hidden gem located in the heart of Montana. This working cattle ranch sits on 28,000 acres of land and has a little something for everyone, including world-class golf, fly fishing, hunting, horseback riding, and lots more. Escape the bright lights and discover Big Sky Montana. Exclusive memberships and real estate opportunities are available now. You can check it out at rockcreekcattlecompany.com. And our guest of the day on the hashtag SLGND podcast, we're happy to have Craig Buttonell on, the director of scouting for TSN. Craig, thanks for the time. What's going on today? Not much. I'm up in Calgary, and it's uh, bloody cold, and there's... uh, (laughs) Probably about uh, 12 inches of snow on the ground. So uh, we, we hadn't had winter, but it's certainly arrived, and it arrived swiftly. So the, good news, like- the good news is that you get to escape Calgary for sunny Buffalo. 
Yeah, you know, Gary, it's funny <laughs> uh, how you uh, talk about it. But somebody asked me, they go, geez, it's too bad it's in Buffalo. Don't you wish it was in Paris? And I said, no, I don't wish it was in Paris. I'm in a rink for 12 hours a day. Why would I wish <laughs> it's in Paris? I'd be madder if it was in Paris. Buffalo, it's a, it's a, it's a great hockey community, and uh, the World Junior is a, is a great tournament. So for me, I'm very happy to be going to Buffalo for the World Junior Tournament. Because if you're going to a nice place, you never get to enjoy it. Hey, Craig, just uh, wanted to get your thoughts um, on this whole what's going on with this team in Vegas. Um, you know, and just everyone's got their two cents on just this really unprecedented success for an expansion team. And, uh, and what's your two cents on it? Well, okay. If I only got two cents, I'll try to be How about real a dollar. Quick and like, a dollar. Okay, well, a dollar, okay, yeah. we'll do that. Okay, you know it's really interesting. So, and I, and I, the first thing I want to say is, is that you better be able to take in current information and, and and assess what's going on, and and not be hanging on to what you thought things were going to be uh, previous to the season. Now, you know, you looked at the previous expansion teams, and you said, okay, you, you know, they had a tough time having success, and you know, certainly when when the owner. Bill Foley said, hey, listen, I think we can make the playoffs. I want to be competitive. You know, people would scoff at that. The, the, the expansion rules uh, were, were, were quite different and, you know, uh, quite and, and really an opportunity for George McPhee and his hockey staff to look at what was available and then, most importantly, understand that and then say, okay, what's going to give us the best chance to be a competitive team? And there's a couple of areas that I think have really done that, and I think have become clearly obvious. So regardless of what I said or anybody else said, I'm dealing with the here and now. There was never going to be elite top centers available to the Vegas Golden Knights in expansion. I think George recognized that. I don't think he recognized that. So he took a chance on Shippeshev, and, and I thought that it was a great chance. It didn't work out, and, but he was trying to find an elite offensive centerman that maybe could come in and fill that team. And, and he did that before the expansion draft. And sure enough, no elite centers were available. But George didn't try to force feed, you know, what I call light offensive players, light skilled players into a center group. He went and I identified an area that he said, if we get centers that are really fast and can skate, that are really competitive, that are really smart, then we can play the game in a lot of different areas. He knew he was going to get some skilled wingers, but to be able to score, and the Vegas Gold Knights have done that very well, you need centermen. You need centermen that can be the link between defense and offense. You need centermen that can move the pace. And you need centermen that are smart and know how to get the puck over to those wingers. Well, that's exactly what he did. And whether it be William Carlson or Oscar Lindbergh, and, and you, go up the, you go up the center ice position, I think they have a really good, solid center ice position. Then you look at one to four in their lines, and four to one, two to three, whatever you want to look at. They're all balanced. So if you're an opponent, who, who, who are you going to try to check? Who are you going to try to send your, put your focus in on? He's got tremendous balance in his forward group, so they score. They had really good goaltending. And, you know, when you get Marc-Andre Fleury, that's, that's significant. But then they have injuries, and people go, well, why do they have the ability to keep winning? Because of the way they play in their defensive zone. Again, they weren't going to have elite defensemen, and not every defenseman can skate in his fleet of foot. But they're smart defensemen, and they're defensemen that understand, I'm not going to chase outside the dots. I'm not going to chase out of position. I'm going to hold our position. If they want to attack where they can try to make plays and where they, where, where they get rewarded, we're going to defend that. We're going to defend that fiercely. That's exactly what they've done. And then you add in really good, experienced coach in, uh, in Gerard Gallant, 
And, hey, listen, I'm happy to say that a month ago I said I think the Vegas Golden Knights are going to make the playoffs. I will say today, (laughs) just a few days before Christmas, I have no doubt they're going to make the playoffs. Well, and it's been fun to watch this team, Craig. I'll tell you what, it, uh, the expectations have certainly gone up as the season's gone along. But uh, we want to talk a lot about the World Juniors, and uh, that's where you're heading at Buffalo. Who do you see as the favorite this year? Is it going to be another Canada-U.S. matchup at the end? I don't think so. I don't oh. think so. First of all, I will tell you this. I think there's five teams capable of winning the gold medal. USA, Canada, Russia, Finland, and Sweden. I think, and and the, the margins between these teams are thin, thin, thin. But going into this tournament, and and my early favorite by a slight margin is Finland. They have an unbelievable blue line. They have a blue line. They have five first rounders on it and a second rounder. They're all going to play in the NHL. Two of them are going to play in the Olympics in February. Dallas's first round pick, Miro Heskinen, and uh, Vancouver's first round pick a couple years ago, Ole Uulevi. Uh, in their age group, the 1998 birth year and the 1999 birth year, they they won the under-18 uh, World uh, Under-18 tournament. They lost in the gold medal game with the 99 group. So this is a very accomplished group with lots of top-end talent. And I think that right now they're 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 the team that that, that edges ahead of everybody else at the outset. Now a lot of things have to come together. But I think that you're looking at a, at a tournament with five teams that are all really good. Now you got Finland, USA, and Canada all in the same pool, and so that becomes a little bit more of a difficult pool uh, for those three teams. But I think that I think very well the teams that come out of the, the two of those teams could very well be playing in the gold medal match. So that means that they would have played each other in the round robin portion of things, the group stage, and then they're going to. In my view, have a really good chance to meet again in the gold medal final after the crossover in the semifinal. Craig, uh, a smart GM once told me that he goes to the World Juniors. A good percentage of these players are already drafted, so he's not going to scout. He's not going to scout for the amateur draft. He explained. He said, "This is the best measure you'll see of these players that compares to what they're going to look like in the NHL. This is the this is the best of the peer group. So when they play against one another here, if a guy excels here, he probably excels at the NHL. If a guy is middle of the pack here, you can you know there's a correlation. Maybe he translates to middle of the pack there. With that in mind, Eric Brandstrom is the one player from the that one draft pick of the Vegas Golden Knights that's going to play in this event. How will he fare against his peers at this at this level? The same way he always he always uh, fares at the high end of it. I mean, Eric is an unbelievable player. I mean, he's he, he's a player, and, and Gary, you've heard me use this term. Anybody that wants to scout with a tape measure is going to start making big mistakes. <laughs> so go ahead and you know, Eric Brashton does. I, I know what his height is. I know I know how much he weighs. I could care less. When you watch the game, he's impossible to forecheck. He's impossible to forecheck because he's so quick with his mind and his feet that you can't get in on him. So what does that do? That backs everybody off. Then you get him in transition. He's quick. He's fast. He can make plays on the move. Then you put him in the offensive zone. Unbelievable poise, unbelievable vision, the ability to make passes under sticks, through skates, create all kinds of scoring chances, and he, and, and he, and he does everything on the move. Nothing about Eric Brandstrom is, is preordained. So he sees an opening, bang, he takes it. He sees another opening, bang, I'm taking that. So if he's going to read off of the play, how the heck are you able to defend against him 
when he's not sure what he's going to do, because he's going to just take what's given to him. He's an elite, elite player. And listen, this is an elite tournament. So I expect him to be the same as I've always seen him right at the upper level of players in this tournament. And you know what else he's got, too? He's got tremendous confidence. There's, there's nothing he thinks that he can't do in the game, and that's significant. Where we've seen the mobile defenseman here, the Golden Knights do have, and you mentioned a young guy like Branson. I'd like to get your assessment as we saw Shea Theodore have his career night, a four-point night, and, and what do you think his ceiling might be here for the Golden Knights? Well, what I would tell you about Shea is, is Shea is very a very gifted player. He he can skate. He can really handle the puck. And you know, watching him through junior, uh, and he was a big part of Canada's last World Junior gold medal in 2015. I mean, he was a, he was an instrumental part of that of that group. He, he's always had the the high end offensive abilities. And and I think where Shea is really growing his game is in, in, in that area behind the the the, the red line and using his skating to, to push people off the puck and push people out of space and then using his skating to, to quickly get out of pressure and to get the puck moving up in the offensive zone. You know, a lot of players, when they're so good at a younger age, you know, they, they don't have to use their skating as much defensively. They don't have to use their skating as much in transition because they're so good and they're so much better than everybody. But to move to that levels in the NHL when, where teams try to press you in your defensive zone, if you don't use those same abilities that help you be a good offensive player, you're going to get trapped and you're not going to be able to have as much offensive uh, productivity. I think Shea has really worked towards that. I think last year playing for the Anaheim Ducks where they ran into some injuries really helped them. You know, playing some in the, in the American Hockey League this year, I think helped them. But, I mean, we're talking about a young player here, 22 years of age, that I think has a lot of upside. And the way, the way I look at it in terms of these, he, he's a clear top three defenseman that can penalty kill, can play offensively, and play significant minutes at even strength. Those are, those are really good, strong players on a team. Craig Button, Director of Scouting for TSN. Craig, thanks so much for the time. Uh, Merry Christmas and enjoy the World Junior Tournament. I will, too. Merry Christmas to you, and uh, I'm like you. I love watching the way the Golden Knights play. Well, we appreciate it. Thanks very much, Craig. Craig Button joining us here, our guest of the day on the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. So uh, it's a pretty good breakdown of the the, the, – and the – I didn't, you know, uh, you know, I, I freely admit my you know, my knowledge is limited on the Finland World Junior team. <laughs> well, five first round draft picks on the blue line on that Finnish team. Five. Well, Gary and I worked Holy with Craig smokes. at TSN, and he yeah. his knowledge on the junior players is just phenomenal. You heard the breakdown on Branson, but he could do he could go through almost every player on every team there and give you that same type of you know an analysis. When I had a radio show at TSN. We would go, my partner and I would go to Craig's hotel the Friday morning of, of the draft, and he would give us 30 minutes. It would usually be almost an hour. He was, he'd be up in his room. He'd, we'd, we'd get all set up, get, the, the, get the, the tape rolling. He'd come down, he'd sit down and start talking, and we just wouldn't interrupt him. We would just let him go. And he would break down the players. of TSN, they spend money to send him around the globe to watch players, to put together a book. He's, listen, we have an elite scouting staff with the Vegas Golden Knights. They see everybody. They've got a massive database. This is one guy putting it all together. He does a great job. How about, his, how about his breakdown of um, of how George McPhee built this? T- you know, it, g- great teams are built down the middle. 
yep. centers. But centers, how he put it, centers that can compete, they're smart, and they can all skate. And he's exactly right. You know, we see it every night. That's one thing. But for him to watch it from afar, uh, right on the money. So Craig Button, our guest of the day here on the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Name Day podcast. We are presented by the D Hotel. Had a great dinner at the D, by the way, the other night. I had one uh, yeah, a few weeks yeah. ago. Oh, where would you hit? What restaurant? Andiamo, am I saying oh, that yes. right, Sheriff? I yeah, think the steakhouse. I, I hope I am. Yeah, Italian, uh, steakhouse. Italian steakhouse. I hear Phenomenal. good things. Oh, at the a, gnocchi yeah. there might be the best pasta ever. Oh. It came with my the, the long long bone ribeye. Oh, and <laughs> <laughs> um. I had the what did I, have? I had a uh, sirloin at a sirloin that was phenomenal. The meatball, the meatball. I, I advised you on that yes, one. Yes, you did. That was a good. We were in another place advice. and we had it, and I said, "Oh no, wait, wait, and go there." <laughs> that, 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 wait till you where you go tomorrow night, and it was yeah. So Derek Stevens, Darren Banks, ran into the Darren Banks. Shockingly, at the Long Bar, I ran into it, both of them when I was yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. said good hi good to chance. them, and it was great. So yeah, terrific meal at uh, Andiamo. But the, the D Hotel is the official sponsor of the Sheriff Lawless and some guy named Dave podcast and the official downtown hotel of the Vegas Golden Knights. Time for raise or fold. All right. Um, big news in the NHL over the last few days. The New York Islanders are going to have a new home. They're going to go to Belmont Park, going to build a new 18,000-seat arena. Um, so they're going to get a new building, which thankfully oh. they're getting a new building because the Barclays Center isn't, you know. Not for hockey. <laughs> not for hockey. If you've ever been there, it is not a hockey no. building. Might be all right for hoops. but uh, And concerts, And too. concerts and other events. But it's hockey. a great spot there, Flatbush and Atlantic. Yes, exactly. Near, That's about it. Yeah, pretty close to the old. Is it close to the old um, where the Dodgers used to play? Yeah, Berkeley, Field was pretty, right there. Is it right on that site? Yeah. It's, it's, that right, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's right. Flatbush and Atlantic is is like the main intersection of Brooklyn. Yeah. Did you ever see the drawings of the, the new baseball field they were going to build in Brooklyn? No. It looked like a spaceship. It's a good thing they didn't build it. Like the Astrodome? Like years ahead of the Astrodome? Bizarre. Yeah. I'd, I'd have to show you the picture. Didn't get a new stadium and therefore no. went to Los Angeles. Yep. There you go. So anyway, the I'm Islanders. Just, just <laughs> of nothing. I just made a reservation at the D for... Uh, for Saturday night. So right thanks, now? Just like as we're talking? Yeah. Andiamo. <laughs> Look at that. Andiamo. Yeah. That's uh, Andiamo. Let's go. Or really means hurry up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Dave, you know your Italian <laughs> influences. Anyway, Razor Fold, Islanders, new crib coming up here in a few years. Razor Fold on them, therefore helping them resign John Tavares. Lawman? No brainer. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, I mean, you raise. I think that this yeah. is uh, now they can. Say they have a future, although uh, the one caveat would be how long? How long does it take? Because if he's, you know, it, it's going to take three years probably to kind of get it done, and he's going to sign. I think they said two years. They think, like, uh, okay. Yeah, they said 19 uh, months was what I read. Or something. So it looks right. like, okay. yeah, that's well, what they're saying. I mean, who knows if it actually okay, happens? Okay, so th- I-, I think you could probably say, we've got a good team now, you know, and uh, we can we can still be competitive here in Brooklyn, and then. You know, try and be a contender the year we move in. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely. I raise on him, uh, him sticking around. It wasn't going to happen unless they did get the building. So I raised yeah. big time. There, there was no way he was going back, and you can see the relief. I think he was just talking about how important yeah. this new and how about I raised big time for the fans, those yeah. Islanders fans, just what they've been through with this team, and you know, now oh, yeah. call us see him. You know, they loved it there, but it was falling. I, I did not like playing. It was great to see the history, but uh, playing, even broadcasting from there might have been worse. Uh, but, yeah, this is a huge race for the New York Islanders and John Tavares. This deal will get done for sure. 
only because they're getting a new building. Yeah, it raises, of course, on this. And I'll just offer a little bit of background for folks who might not be familiar. The, the, the geography, the New York Islanders, you know, they're in, they played at the Nassau Coliseum in Uniondale, Long Island. And the traffic on Long Island is really bad. So for fans who are out there, Nassau County, even Suffolk County, further east, that's further and further from New York, New York City meaning. And so the fans out there, you know, when the team moves to Brooklyn, they might as well move to Kentucky. Uh, You're taking the Long Island Railroad, which people out there are not accustomed to doing. It was very hard to get to Brooklyn. If you did get there by car, there was nowhere to park. So the fans just felt totally... Uh, ostracized uh, because the Rangers fans, oh, we've got MSG, you don't even have a place to go. There's been talk about going to Connecticut and, and, and or even to Quebec, you know, possibilities. Uh, you know, they talked about building something near Shea Stadium or City Field where, where the baseball team plays. But to go back out there, it uh, it's a great thing. It, it's uh, Belmont is, of course, where the racetrack is. Right. So, yeah, I, I'm raising on the Islanders plan. Well, and I, I raise, too, and I'll make it four for four. Uh, the other part of it is, Dan, I, and I to kind of to further your point. I took a look last year, like, so from where Nassau Coliseum is to where Barclays <laughs> Center is, it, it's about 20 miles. Like, as the crow flies, if you're a bird, you could. it's about 20 miles. But to get there by car um, was a joke. You know, they, they had stopped. At one point, they because tra- all, all the players live on Long yeah. Island. So they were going to have the guys come over, morning skates, get them day rooms at the hotel, they got rid of all that because it was such a fiasco. It would take you two hours to get there in rush subway. hour traffic. Yeah, it was ridiculous. They'd take the subway. So now they, they have all their morning skates, all their practices at their practice rink in, is it Syosset? Do I want to say is that right? It's somewhere on Long Island. Either way. That's Duva. He's the Yeah, expert. Duva, you know these things. There you go. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... Um, I mean, they used to call the the Coliseum the mausoleum. I know, I mean, you know, I know. That's, which is a shame. They've redone it. They played a preseason game there, and it was an amazing turnout. I mean, the fans really felt disenfranchised when they moved to Brooklyn. The ownership changes. The people who bought the team wanted to be a New York City brand, not understanding the market of the number of people loyal to the Islanders on the island. And right. and so they just didn't get it. Obviously, there's been some ownership things there, but it's it's a good thing not only for the Islanders and the fans of hockey in New York, but really for the NHL because to try to move another team around here, there are a number of question marks with that sort of stuff. So I, I, I'm just pleased that it's worked out for them, even as someone who grew up rooting against the Islanders. Yeah. <laughs> the Devils, right? There you go. Yes, sir. There you go. All right. Everyone, big raise on um, the Islanders' new home, but also, more importantly, helping them resign. John Tavares, speaking of Great homes. Vegas Golden Knights have one of the best home records in the NHL. But just to touch over 500 on the road, which isn't really out of the norm for a lot of teams in the NHL, but Razor Fold on Vegas continuing to be near the top of the league as a result of, and this this was kind of something that came out the Tampa game recently. They had a half a dozen guys with the flu, as in the legitimate flu. But is the Vegas flu something that is going to help the Golden Knights stay right near the top of the NHL. Raise or fold? Lawman, what do you think? Well, I raise on them uh, staying near the top of the league in terms of home record, but not because of the Vegas flu. If it, Listen, uh, if, you, you're, if, you, if you're making $8 million a year or $10 million a year or $1 million a year and you can't be ready for a hockey game because of the location, well, shame on you. Uh, you yeah. know, it's it's... Teams have been going to New York City and L.A. and Chicago and Nashville for decades. 
and they've been able to prepare and be ready for games. That, to me, is uh, um, it's something that's been media-invented and generated. Yeah, do some guys go out and have a good time when they're in Vegas? For sure. But if you're here for three days uh, before a game and you can't be ready, I would suggest there are other issues in your life. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Rays will still have a tremendous home record, but absolutely fold on this Vegas flu mentality. Yeah. You can go out in any city. doesn't matter. If you want to go, you got to be prepared go. to play. And right. the old school way was, you know, you go out, there's no better way than playing guilty after a few drinks the next day. And maybe I'd done it. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, Speaking from and, and It might have been my best game. Maybe I was on to something. And, uh, but anyways, yeah, I'd, I think if anything, I raise on the atmosphere, the fans, the what this Vegas, the city, this community has provided for these players in that building. I raise big time on what they've done over it being the Vegas flu. Yeah, and and if I, I'm totally with you. I, I'm with you on all of that. And, and I've been asked about. I was on actually with the folks at the Illegal Curve up in Winnipeg yesterday, and asked about the ESPN story that was published concerning the Vegas flu. And I, you know, when we hear it, it kind of chuckled. It's sort of funny, but then. If you think about it seriously for a moment, it's frankly insulting. If you watch the team play in Las Vegas and then you watch the other teams play, as I mentioned a few moments ago, the Tampa Bay Lightning the other night. Again, you talk about they were here for a few days. Uh, you know, I know a number of those those players and coaches very well, Steve Eiserman and, and on down because I was part of that organization for five years. They played an excellent game and they had the real flu. Tyler Johnson right. and Jake Dotchin did not play because they had the real flu, and it still was an exceptionally fun hockey game, back and forth. So uh, it's it's kind of amusing to hear this idea of the Vegas flu, but to me, uh, it's it's now starting to become insulting. They're the second-best team in the NHL, yeah. and they have played some big road games as well. Look at Dash, uh, Dallas and Nashville recently. Not to mention, they're the Golden Knights are in Vegas all the time. Right. Right? Yeah. Shouldn't they have the permanent Vegas flu? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know? that, that homestand to start the season yeah. is uh, I mean, really I guess something. the only caveat I would say, Lawman, it's, it's one experience to come in here for three or four days. It's another to live here. But I know what you're saying. Yeah, well, exactly. yeah we're not down but on d- it. D- I d- thought d- it was a good argument, Gary. I'm yeah. excited. Dan's d- down on the d- strip d- every night out d- long d- hours. Vegas, so that's why he was <laughs> the rest of us are in Summerlin. Someone asked Eric England about it the other day. He's like, you know, are the other guys really out all night long before games? And he's like, I don't know. I'm home in bed. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what are you asking me for? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I fold on the Vegas flu thing as well. I raise big time on the fact they're one of the best teams in the league. Yeah. And they've got an unbelievable home ice advantage because of the energy and the emotion in that building. You know, Steven Stamko said the other day, it's the best atmosphere he's played in a regular season game in mm-hmm. a long, long time. Yeah, that's amazing. A lot of guys you, would say that. And when, when you we talk to people, whether it's players, coaches, scouts, fans, people you know who are coming to visit town, and you've told them about the atmosphere. Maybe they've seen it on TV or, or read about it. But when you experience it yeah. for the first time, it's at another level. Yeah, until you're actually in the building, yeah. it's uh, it's beyond belief. All right, last one on Razor Fold. Holiday edition of the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Razor Fold on wrapping Christmas presents. Sheriff? What do you got? Do you, do you know how to wrap a gift? <laughs> yes, I do wrap. But you got to remember, I've got I've got a lot of a lot of people in the I know in, you in my home, I, so yep. uh, I do wrap my own uh, for yourself. For yeah, <laughs> I do. I, let's just say this: I wrap gifts, but I don't wrap near as many 
as other people do. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, absolutely, fold. I don't wrap <laughs> anything. And actually, this is terrible. My one of my good good friends in Winnipeg, a guy named Aubrey Margulis, he had a had a real nice clothing store, and they had beautiful wrapping paper, and he had a staff. Everything you bought there, they would wrap and. Uh, I would show up on the 24th with all my uh, presents in the back of the car and uh, bring them all in. He would pour me a drink. I would sit down and, uh, you know, maybe buy some socks for myself and shoot the bull with uh, whoever came into the store. And I was there for about a half an hour, 45 minutes. And then I would uh, I like kiss Aubrey on both cheeks and say, uh, wow, um, talk about a good happy Hanukkah to you, my good friend. He would say, Merry Christmas to you, Gary. And uh, I'd throw them all back in my winter sleigh and, uh, Scooch over to the Lawless house, walk them into the house, put them all under the tree. Look tri- like a hero. Triumphantly, my wife would sneer at me with just complete d- disgust that I would Contempt. do this. But it became a tradition, and it was great for Aubrey. And what I. are you was, doing this uh, year? You're out in Winnipeg. I'm screwed. No Aubrey in I'm Vegas. Scrooged. Yeah. Um, no, I'm going to ship uh, them up there and have them send them. No, back. I have discovered that some of the fa- the. Um, Finer boutiques in Vegas will wrap uh-huh. things as well. Ooh. So, uh, wow. did Aubrey get a tip at least? So, he, he, you would sit, drink, buy some socks, and he would wrap the presents that he get. He was wouldn't he, wrap the presents. His staff else. would. He well, would yeah, sit yeah, and chat saying, with me. But, I would yeah. give him a little break <laughs> from the uh, onslaught of. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, like his, and his place would be so busy. Like yeah. it was the busiest day of the year, and in comes Jackass Buddy and asked to get his presents all wrapped. <laughs> There's Lawless again. Yeah, uh, but he did. We couldn't wait for him to show up. I'm I'm going to raise down wrapping gifts so long as those gifts are. Gift cards. Uh, Gift cards. Those are okay. Uh, You know, I have to admit to having ordered something online as a gift recently, and uh, rather than pursuing wrapping myself, there's that convenient little checkbox that says, would you like this item gift wrapped? I said yes. You bet your butt. So, so I did. I I would like to to wrap, but I, I don't do a particularly good do a particularly good job at it. So uh, I I'm a fan of the the bag, the gift bag with the oh, tissue yeah. paper, and that just makes makes it a lot easier. So All right, I'm, there you go. I'm a fan of of this of uh, having done a little shopping the last few days. They the places that will box it up for you, as in wrap it, not wrap it wrapping paper, but. Tissue paper, box it up, nice little bow. Like I remember, like a few stores I was at the other day. They're like, "Would, would you like us to, to you know, give you, a, you know, put this in a gift box?" Mm. Yes, yes, I would. Go for it. <laughs> but you guys may be shocked at this. I raise big time on wrapping. Oh. I am a good wrapper. I'm Are you? Uh, that doesn't surprise me. I all, yeah, I I know how to get it done. So, and I'll tell you why. My mom, God rest her. There's was wi- it, wine stains on all the boxes. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not without yeah, a couple okay. of glasses right. of, okay. of red. Yes. My mom, God rest her, was an enormous. Uh, she loved Christmas more. Like, I swear, I'm an only child. It would take us two hours to open Christmas presents Christmas morning. <laughs> it was me, my mom, and my dad. How much can you? The presents were stacked up to the ceiling. <laughs> she'd have the Christmas Spoiled tree up. Cigars, yeah. yeah, she'd have the Christmas tree up the weekend of Thanksgiving. It would stay up until late. I used to say until late January. I'd say, Mom, just keep it up. What difference does it make? <laughs> keep it up all year round. But anyway, in my basement in Rhode Island, growing up, we had a uh, a ping pong table. But at Christmas time, that ping pong table turned into her wrapping station mm-hmm. for all the mm-hmm. presents she bought her only kid, right? Yep. So she, uh, you know, I don't know how many years in a row she would, not when she was wrapping my presents, obviously, but she would bring me down there. David, get down here. 
and she would show me how to wrap presents, my father's presents, my grandparents' presents. So to this day, I know how to get it done. I like that. So uh, I raise unwrapping presents. I, I'm able to, you know, it's all nice. The, you know, the corners. It's the second time Gosher has brought me to tears on this. No, program, you know? <laughs> no, 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 That's right. Uh, wrapping Christmas Mrs. presents Gosher, with mom. That's right. Uh, yeah, I like that. So it's because of that. I know how to get it done. Merry so Christmas. I, so I raise unwrapping Christmas oh, presents. That's a good way to, to end. this day. Exactly. So uh, do we have a mailbag, Dan Duva? Do we? Uh, yeah, we can get to We can get to the mailbag. Just a couple of quick questions. Check your email, Dan. They just arrived. All right. A couple okay. of uh, quick ones for us. So, guys, one of the questions that we've received often at hashtag SLGND in our mailbag via Twitter, uh, people are interested in in us, I suppose, and what it's been like living <laughs> so in Las Vegas. So, a sad thought. Uh, right. Jeez. So uh, the question, and this is from at Sci-Fi Extremist, who uh, has managed to work his way into now both mailbags. But we've had this question from several people, but we thought we'd give at Sci-Fi Extremist the shout out here. And he asked, what has it been like living in Las Vegas compared to other hockey towns? So, Dave, we'll start uh, with you. It's a hell of a lot warmer. That's for sure. <laughs> Climate's unbelievable. Well, you know, look, and hockey town for me is spending a lot of years in Boston, and and I I loved it there, and still love the city. But you know, from a quality of life standpoint, and although I will say this, nobody told me about the wind in Vegas. Yeah, it gets a tad windy. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to have a little pool in the backyard of the Gosher Mansion. How's it looking this morning? Not good. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, the fellow that comes to kind of take care of it, because I, I don't know what the hell I'm doing in that area, I feel bad. I think he comes every Wednesday, I believe, mm-hmm. and it looks spotless. And the, and I swear to God, the next day the winds kick up and it looks like he hasn't even been there. <laughs> so anyway, no, it's been phenomenal. Look, the whole, you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier. It's one thing to come to Vegas for a long weekend and, you know, other teams of um Fans of other teams have done that a lot this year. Take three or four days, come here and enjoy the Strip, which is all fantastic. It's a whole different experience to live here. And, you know, we're fortunate enough kind of out near Red Rock Canyon and Summerlin and how I never knew how scenic it was, mm-hmm. how just beautiful the mountains are, and especially out near Red Rock. So it's, uh, you know, in terms of quality of life and, you know, the uh, the ability to, to work, um, you know, with and for some great people, it's been phenomenal. Yeah, let, let me uh, go along the same lines and throw this one at you, Sheriff, and it's along the same type of question. Jess in Vegas, at Jess in Vegas asks, what is the most surprising thing you've experienced with your move to Vegas? Most surprising? Oh, well, I'm outside of this team and what they've done, uh, I... And the people, I, I follow the lines with Dave. Maybe the most surprising thing for me is just, as Dave mentioned, the quality of life. Because everybody comes in and they ask, what's Vegas like? You know, because they just see the strip. So for me, maybe my biggest surprise is how close and maybe a small community feel there is. You know, we're, we're stationed out in Summerlin and, you know, I haven't really ventured around much. But people have been really great. It's been a good place to live. My family's very happy. So it's been a pleasant surprise at at, at the normalcy to to life here. It, it's yeah. not a wild, crazy party gambling that that doesn't exist. If you want to go have fun, which hey, on an occasion I don't mind doing, <laughs> but for me it's 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 normal life outside, and it's a great life. You got the great weather outside of the wind, but I I don't mind that because I, I came from Winnipeg where you could stand on Portage and Maine, and and the wind there is with comes along with a little bit of cooler weather. So beats the snow. Beats the snow, yep. and uh, you know, just in clean streets, there's no snow, ice, salt uh, on the <laughs> streets. Uh, it, it's been tremendous. Oh, the whole experience here 
it has been a pleasantly surprising one. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've got a couple other people along the same lines. A Flothua702 asked similar question, but uh, there, there are a couple more questions here, guys. This, this because uh, we'll, we'll end with this one because it's, it's holiday-related. And this is from someone whose Twitter handle is at Mark Andre Fleury. It is not Mark Andre Fleury, uh, but no that way. is the that is the Twitter For handle. For real? No. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, and, and the uh, the, <laughs> the question is: If the guys, I think meaning us, were to be in a Christmas movie, what would it be, and who would be who? Gary. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Give me that one more time. Okay. If the guys, meaning us, I, yeah. I presume, okay. were to be in a Christmas movie, yeah. uh, what would it be, and who would be who? Okay. <laughs> no, no, this is a really good one. That, yeah. I like this. I'm good here. It would be Santa Claus is coming to town. Okay. I would be Santa. Shane would be Burgermeister Burgermeister. That's the evil guy who says no toys. Oh. Gosher likes to sing, so he would be uh, Santa Claus. I don't even know what movie you're talking about. He would be uh, Gene Kelly, who like yeah. the postman who yeah. starts at the. Uh, oh God, that's actually usually, that's actually yeah. really good casting, yeah. right? I there. like that. That's that's usually yes. compared uh, to Gene Kelly, quite often. Thank you. And um, <laughs> yeah, you would be the uh, uh, the little lost penguin that uh, <laughs> that, fo- that follows Santa around uh, Chris Kringle for the whole movie. Yes. Okay. So uh, a lost yeah. penguin, appropriate lost for penguin? Yeah, I couldn't do Mark that. Gene Kelly. Gene Kelly. Burgermeister, Burgermeister, who's... Uh, I have no idea what movie you're talking about. Santa Claus is coming to town. I've never seen it. <laughs> As I said, Burgermeister, Burgermeister. Yeah, you you're go. basically the Grinch. No, I'm more re- relative movies. Ones that people might actually know. <laughs> okay, just to, to make it Have you ever heard of Miracle what, on 34th what are, what are the, no, what's, the, what's the series okay. with uh, Die Hard? You can be Bruce Willis, John McClane yeah, in the no, Die Hard series. Yeah, okay? like you're rough, tough, and ready with your uh, Well, I guess, I guess big, you know, you're big big almost 50, your so the 50-plus crowd will know what we're talking about. <laughs> it's go. good to have He's everybody. He's not 50 yet. He's no, not 50 not. yet. Close enough, but not 50 yet. Well, there you go. That's a solid attempt at a challenging question. I'm not sure if I could answer a question quite that well. So, Everything I base Christmas movies Not on enough, comes yeah, off I Christmas love, Vacation. I love Christmas. So I can't really. Yeah, Christmas Vacation, yeah. Elf, Santa Claus. on 34th kids. Street. Elf was pretty good. I yeah. watched one like last Christmas. night. If you want me to be somebody, I watched one last night. I watched Christmas watch? with the Cranks. Tim Allen plays you know, Mr. Crank. Luther yeah, yeah, Crank, yeah, who wants yeah, to skip yeah. Christmas. He adds up, sees a Christmas cost this much, and says... We're missing Christmas this year. I would put myself with him. <laughs> I'm right there. Yeah. And then in the other movie, he was Santa Claus. Oh, yeah. He's the not, Santa Claus. Where he's is he now? Where is the, we were saying that last night. Yeah. He was doing yeah. a sitcom there for, uh, yeah, for ABC. Standing, that, uh, yeah, yeah, Last yeah. Man Standing last was on for a few years. It, yeah. it didn't last more than a few Terry years. Terry Polo though, yeah. was his co-star on that. There you go. Did you ever see yeah. The Grinch? Jim oh, Carrey? Yeah. I like the cartoon read. I read to my daughter last night. When the she read the first half and she got a little tired and I read the second half of uh, of when the Grinch stole Christmas. That's awesome, uh, yeah, very good. Little known enjoyable. fact: I got to start lead in the grade six Christmas play. It's not really? a known fact. And it's I the third the, time you've told us. Well, that there we year. go. Uh, that was a bit of my. That's where the acting ability began. Uh, yeah, that that's you where, and I, I know we got our. Yeah, uh, yeah we, hey, that's we, where the skit started. Uh, uh, we all came together and formed this team this year, and yeah. Uh, uh, to me, it's been uh, it's been very exciting, and uh, I have really enjoyed working and traveling with you guys. You're a real good crew, so uh, 
Buona Natal, my friends. I, I a miracle on Fremont Street. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah exactly right. <laughs> so that's the mailbag. That's all you got. That's more than enough. There you go. go. That's fine. All right. So our final segment here, uh, Fact Check with Dan Duva. This is always uh, where we get highly irritated with Dan. <laughs> oh. uh, I mean, well, we're usually couldn't irritated have just with Dan the show the there. most part. But, uh, but it's, brought to you, it's brought to you by the Foley Food uh, and Wine. Bill and Carol Foley have created the Foley Food and Wine Society to celebrate three of our greatest passions, world-class wines, exceptional cuisine, and outstanding destinations. And as a member of the society, you'll have access to their entire portfolio of properties around the globe. The Foley Food and Wine Society offers an exclusive opportunity to join like-minded individuals who seek to experience the finer things in life, and they look forward to hosting you during your next visit. What do we screw up this time, Dan? No, no it's uh, there weren't screw ups, but I'll enhance a couple of things. And uh, you know, Sheriff pointed out that Malcolm Subban's goals against average, uh, the two previous NHL starts that he had with the Bruins over five, and he was dead on. They were five point eight one, but then this year, uh, obviously, that has gone down to about two three. So that is uh, uh, nicely done there, Sheriff. Uh, but overall, the facts were uh, on target today. So nicely done with. With all that, but uh, I'll save you the suspense. Uh, he was uh, with the hat trick, and those uh, facts are stubborn things. So, Sheriff, also with the World Junior contributions, Sheriff oh, is today's number uh, one. Star. Congratulations, Sheriff. Yeah. Early Christmas present. Gary's gone show. already, so yeah. it's good. Gary already's in the parking lot. He knew he was out of listening to East Street Radio. Radio. He's already warming up his car. <laughs> <laughs> you guys so, suck. Yeah. <laughs> with well, some class. Well, a, mi- a minute ago, you loved us. Now we all suck. <laughs> That's the real Christmas there. spirit. There it is. Well, that's the Sheriff <laughs> Wallace and some guy named Dave podcast. Hashtag SLGNT. So, um, happy Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Whatever you celebrate. Happy, uh, happy holidays. Happy holidays to everybody. The Sheriff Lawless and some guy named Dave podcast. Hashtag SLGND presented by the D Hotel, the official downtown hotel of the Vegas Golden Knights. Happy holidays to everybody. We'll talk to you next time.